It is no secret that we live in a hypersexualized culture. Young people especially are exposed to lewd or vulgar images on a daily basis in music videos, movies, television, and video games. The targets of this sex-obsessed culture are often young women, whose bodies are used as products for male consumption. Many feminists, however, are careful to critique the explicit exploits of empowered women whose actions seemingly defy patriarchy and celebrate their ownership over their bodies and sexuality. Yet despite the clear interest in how these portrayals affect women, the most salacious, raw, taboo, and erotic media, pornography, is often left out of the conversation. Pornography is often considered too private and personal to discuss in wider conversations, especially around young people. And yet, pornography is even more popular and influential than one may think. According to the Domestic Violence Resource Center of Victoria, Australia, 35% of all internet traffic is porn-related, and global porn revenue is more than that of Apple, Google, Amazon, and Microsoft combined. Through the course of this podcast, I will be examining the feminist psychology behind this major industry and its consequences on the role of women. In the field of sociology, sexuality is not just a matter of biology. Our attractions are not random innate preferences, but a curated series of learned behaviors. Sexual scripting theory posits that cultures develop unique traditions and rules that make up a script, which help us perform our sexuality as dictated by cultural norms. The sexual script can vary widely amongst different cultures. In Western society, a part of our script is the sexual double standard, which believes men are naturally more oriented towards sexual behavior. This implies that women's sexuality can only be initiated at the inclination of a male counterpart. So, why is this so important? Well, even though our sexual scripts are extremely impactful, they are not always reflective of reality. Contrary to these popular attitudes, a study at McGill University showed that when researchers monitored genital temperature changes to measure sexual arousal, they found that when shown porn clips, men and women alike began displaying arousal within 30 seconds. In other words, women and men show the exact same level of interest in sexual stimuli. What other dangerous or false messages are hidden in our sexual scripts, and how does the fictional world of pornography popularize and solidify them? To quote Professor Robert Johnson of Cambridge University, mirrors can be dangerous, and pornography is a mirror. Pornography as a mirror shows us how men see women. Through conversations with my fellow young adult women, we'll gain a better understanding of how these things affect our lives. I'll let my first guest introduce herself. Hi, my name's Rosie. We'll cover the recent surge in female viewership and investigate what these women watch and why others still won't. In the 21st century, women have been seeking their own sexual satisfaction more than ever. According to Nielsen Net Ratings, women are the fastest growing demographic of pornography users. 
In 2019, the top streaming site, Pornhub, saw the proportion of female visitors grow to 32%. So do any of these numbers surprise you? Um, I don't think these numbers surprise me at all. But I also think it has to do with consume, uh, um, like pornography producers realizing that they're missing out on 50% of the population in terms of the content that they're producing because a lot of it tends to be male-oriented. So as time goes on, there tends to be more and more female-oriented content. And that we can see that like that's in part the reason why numbers have been growing because it tends to be more appealing than it ever has been before. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. I think um, as our generation continues to be more and more open, especially about sex and pornography, that that is a clear recognition from companies that this is now a market you can actually tap into. So what has truly inspired this surge in female viewership? And where exactly are all of those new eyes going? Well, unsurprisingly, Women mainly enjoy content that centers around their own pleasure, which mainstream pornography is largely lacking. Pornhub's 2019 review revealed that women are 260% more likely to view oral performances on a female, 183% more likely to view fingering videos, and 130% more into romantic searches. Women also reportedly preferred amateur pornography to ensure more authentic depictions of female pleasure. Yet the focus on pleasure is simply a symptom of the larger issue for women, the need to escape demeaning or stereotypical depictions of gender roles. This also explains why women seem to prefer queer content. Many top porn stars for women are gay men. Meanwhile, lesbian was the most popular category among women. Even more compelling were the results of a study at Northwestern University, in which researchers showed gay, lesbian, and straight porn to heterosexual and homosexual women and men. They found that while the men responded more intensely to porn that mirrored their particular gender orientation, the women tended to like it all. I honestly don't understand how how men can be that closed off to the pressure. And I think that's more about how society views women and men, that women are always treated as sexual. So even a woman viewing the pornography of two women is more innately sexual than a man viewing pornography of two men. You know what I mean? Like, there's no need for the... There's no societal message that two men being together is sexually arousing in any way. Admitting to yourself that you like something that is somewhat gay as a guy is extremely emasculating, Mm -hmm. at least in the eyes of society. And I think even even in the privacy of your own room having that sort of admission to yourself is like can be unbearable for some guys because I think men fear being gay a lot more than women fear being lesbian yeah for sure for sure and also I think being being gay for women is usually advertised as you know you can have those interests but still be interested like more intensely in men like it's the idea of two women kissing at a bar that is for the attention of the male not for the pleasure of the two females so I think that is just a more common attitude in our society to have yeah and I mean I think that just comes down to like women basically being there for men's pleasure and oh yeah for sure and any depiction of that is just 
that's the only purpose for it, not because a woman wants to feel that pleasure themselves. Mm -hmm. That's for sure, yeah. It can also be a confidence booster when women enjoy responsibly. As reported by Psychology Today, some women said that seeing porn actors' naked bodies helped them feel more normal about their own bodies, and some even reported feeling better about their bodies after watching porn. This seems to go against what the common stigma around pornography seems to be, that it can make women feel bad about their appearance. But I think when you compare it to things like like Instagram, I think you can make the comparison that pornography is actually a lot less problematic. Because Instagram models, they filter, they edit. Um, it's definitely not a realistic depiction of what the body can look like. And of course, porn stars normally get surgeries and whatnot to to perfect their bodies, but you can see a lot more realistic depictions I mean, of it's, women. It's also like there's just so much more body diversity, right? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, to say that men or women only like people of a certain body type is just, that's not true. And so I think if, if you go through, like, porn, right, there's generally the most popular videos are going to be someone that's conventionally attractive, meaning relatively skinny and like ample bosom and a big butt right but Mm -hmm. at the same time if you you can easily find videos of people of different races different body types you can even find like pregnant woman on there like like there's just so much diversity (laughs) Uh and so so you can find someone that looks like you and see and go into the comments and see that people are like gassing up that woman I think it totally makes sense that a lot of women get a confidence boost from pornography and seeing themselves celebrated and, you know, treated as attractive in a sexual way. Not just that all bodies are beautiful, but your body in particular is extremely attractive to someone. Yeah, and that isn't to say that to feel attractive, you need to be sexualized, right? But Mm -hmm. it is nice to see people want want you so female viewers are increasingly watching and making porn their own and yet there are still many obstacles for women who wish to explore this male-dominated landscape so some women enjoy at their own risk but there are still many negative associations for customers that stop them from partaking in their guilty pleasures Porn is notorious for focusing on her pleasing him, as opposed to him pleasing her, or even her pleasing her. Both heterosexual and queer women found pornography to be undesirable due to the sexual double standard. Straight women viewed men in pornography to be disrespectful or focused on their own pleasure, while queer women expressed that most lesbian porn was clearly designed for straight male consumers. So what's interesting to me is the way that men tend to not react to the lack of pleasure for women in porn. Um, and does that spell larger problems for women in their real life encounters? Like I could see someone rationalizing that the lack of female oriented porn that way because they're naturally only going to consume things that appeal to themselves. So it's just difficult to understand the problem because it's such a personalized experience to begin with that it's mm-hmm. difficult to see how someone else might be lacking in something because you only see one particular perspective, which is your own. 
Yeah, I mean, I totally see what you're saying. But it also, like, I was thinking about how if you are truly supposed to be attracted to someone or even a particular gender, right? If you're a straight male, why would you not be interested in seeing women's pleasure depicted in pornography? Because assumedly, that is what you're attracted to. You're attracted to the woman. You're attracted to doing those things to the woman and you would theoretically want her to enjoy them or at least I mean hopefully you'd want her to enjoy them so the fact that like yeah it's a male-dominated industry and that's why you see such a lack of it like shouldn't that technically contribute to more depiction of female pleasure yeah I do agree but I think you could say the same thing about woman like if you are a straight Mm -hmm. woman attracted to a man you're going to be more aroused by male pleasure so why even view content that is depicting female pleasure like I think I think it goes both ways Mm -hmm. so you get different things out of porn another large contributing factor to women's distaste is the objectification theory in any media if a woman continuously sees women treated as sexual objects then she will begin to view herself as a sexual object This is deemed self-objectification, and is akin to taking a viewer perspective of oneself. For women, this can be extremely dangerous, as the pressure to conform to sexual standards, and therefore be valued, overshadows the need of the whole human being. In a report published by Psychology of Women's Quarterly, pornography use led to eating disorder symptomology, body surveillance, and body shame. How do you think that this, um, like, impacts people? Like, a few years ago, I remember watching this documentary about this woman who is going to get surgery on her vagina because her labia minora was really large. And Mm. so she felt as though that she needed to get that surgery in order to be viewed as attractive. Like, I mean, we said before that, like, porn's diversity, and especially when it comes to, like, amateur porn and seeing people's naked bodies just, like, out there can be really beneficial. But also, like, sometimes it's almost like they give you things to worry about. Like, insecurities you would have never even had had you not seen someone in that light. You know what I mean? Like, who, like, if, without pornography, you probably wouldn't know, like, what a bunch of different vaginas look like. You know what I mean? Like, even in the locker room, you're not going to, like, look, you're not, you're not looking for that. But if you do consume a lot of it, then you start to have this, like, comparison to make to yourself. And then that would give you like a complex like that woman had where that suddenly becomes an insecurity and a problem for her. This woman, um, the reason that she did the whole surgery is because a lot of her guy friends were saying, oh, I would never like date a girl like that. She would look like a meat sandwich, you know? Um, And and I think that that's largely due to pornography right because you're you're able to sort of curate this image of a perfect woman in your mind right and now you suddenly Mm -hmm. see it in front of you and whenever you're presented with a different option you can like click away from it if you don't even like if you don't like a single thing about i i think i basically said it before but like basically pornography just gives you preferences that you otherwise would have had no preference for yeah you know me and my brother like completely unrelated to this have this whole conversation (laughs) And we were both, mm-hmm. like, were people uglier in the 1700s, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you didn't have to think too hard about your appearance because the only person that you could really compare yourself to was, like, the other girls in your class. And all the other girls yeah. in your class were still, like, granted, there were, there's always going to be, like, if you take 
if if you dump me in a room with 10 other girls, chances are a good portion of them would be more conventionally attractive than me. But I'm only comparing myself to those 10 other girls, right? Now mm-hmm. I have a whole host of other women to compare myself to. Yet the worst of these problems don't come from women watching porn themselves, but from the expectations of male viewers. I think when boys start having sex, they imagine porn and like everything that goes on in porn because that's the dream really. Like boys, you know, have their way with girls, whatever they want. Girls can put their legs behind their head and, you know, take it all. When a guy watches porn, that's hot. I want to try that. You do this, this and this, you know what I mean? And they'll just keep pressuring and pressuring, like, I've got made to do it. Girls, like, like they love it in the porn, so maybe boys think that girls like that. They'll tell me, yeah, she's like, she didn't want to at first, but I just kept hounding and hounding. Finally, she let me go in from behind and all this sort of stuff. Many women feel pressured or even coerced into performing acts predominantly featured in porn at their own expense. One fascinating study from London's Faculty of Public Health and Policy highlights this problem. Anal sex is a predominant feature of rough sex slash hardcore pornography. Most study participants recognize that anal sex would be painful for women, and yet both sexes still expected men to, quote, persuade or coerce reluctant partners. So even though women do not enjoy anal sex, this is not a sufficient deterrent for many men wishing to do it. In essence, a male's sexual desire supersedes a woman's comfortability. So who who do you think can really be determined at fault in this scenario? Is it the men or is it the porn? That's so messed up in a lot of ways. Yeah. It, okay, when you look at pornography, anal sex is pretty predominant. And I think that you've seen more and more in real life that become a more casually talked about aspect of sexual behavior. But it almost makes you think, like, if that was never advertised so heavily in pornography... Like, would men have even desired that in the first place? And then why is it that this de- this desire women have to compromise to, even though it's clearly something that most women find uncomfortable? I could understand how some, and for some women, that's giving a guy that sort of pleasure is going to give them pleasure because someone that they care about is receiving pleasure from their body. And I can see how that, that could be arousing and, like, attractive, Right. But if a guy is literally Mm -hmm. pressuring a woman into anything, especially something like that, that could feel really gross and painful, that's a whole other issue regarding consent and like a huge double standard. I mean, we talk a lot about like, like rape culture and some people don't really understand how that can truly be a thing. But it's things like this that really show that there's just a general problem with the way we treat consent and the way we treat women and the way we treat desire. I'm surprised that this is so surprising to you, to be honest. I, I am aware of the lack of like understanding of consent. I am aware of it. But to say that there was like a study done about something that actively hurts women and men still wanting it and pushing it like that, like hurts me. Most women possess a cognitive dissonance over their arousal and moral objections while browsing content. In a meta-analysis headed by University of Wisconsin professor Mike Allen, men and women had comparable levels of physiological arousal, yet women were more likely to rate a pornographic scene as disturbing, wrong, or degrading, regardless of their state of arousal. So is there a way for women to ethically enjoy porn? 
or is pornography innately unethical? In my next conversation, I am joined by one of my favorite educated young women. Hi, my name is Hannah. In this section, we'll be discussing the merits of pornography and whether it does more harm than good. In the 1970s, the feud between feminists over pornography was referred to as the sex wars. At the height of the sexual liberation movement, some believed that pornography was the step too far. Prominent anti-porn feminist Andrea Dworkin claimed that pornography was a form of terror and that, quote, women will know that we are free when pornography no longer exists. Meanwhile, other feminists have objected to the idea that consuming or making pornography is categorically harmful, such as journalist Ellen Willis, who asked, is there any objective criterion for healthy or satisfying sex? And if so, what is it? Unfortunately, just as with any social science, it is impossible to show causality between pornography and its assumed consequences. There are still a number of observations researchers can make about the effects of pornography. The porn industry as a whole is highly unregulated, especially internationally. The top four largest streaming sites, Pornhub, YouPorn, RedTube, and Xvideos, will host content from any distributor, and thus these sites do not have a robust content filtration system. This has provided a platform for unethically sourced content to be presented to the masses. So even the most mainstream sites are wrangled into a global supply chain, which includes connections to human trafficking, child pornography, prostitution, drugs, and other forms of global violence. Even the casual citizen can contribute to the hordes of unethical content. In Australia, a study published by Computers and Human Behavior 12% of males and 6.2% of females have taken a nude or sexual image of another person without their consent. These photos and videos are often uploaded on sites as, quote, voyeurism, upskirting, or revenge porn, which infringe the lines of consent and privacy. So obviously it's hard to know how widespread some of these issues are, but do you think that there is blame, you can place blame on the distributors? Because it's already hard to regulate something like pornography when there are so many different rules across countries. Is that something that we should really expect from them? I think a good chunk of the blame should be on the distributors. Um, Websites like Pornhub if you look into their, the way that they speak on and their press releases related to things like revenge porn and such, they claim that when someone uploads a video, they have to confirm that everyone in it consented to whatever. So they, therefore, are then giving the, t- devol- taking the blame from themselves. And I think that more blame needs to be put on them because it is also their fault. They're just turning a blind eye to the issue rather than trying to address it. See, I kind of want to agree with you, but also at the same time, I kind of tend to view these distributors like almost like how I view YouTube and that it's more of a platform. And so you don't necessarily like you can't necessarily make them responsible for everything that's uploaded onto their sites 
Like it's it's supposed to be a free content system or whatever. And if you're going to hold these places responsible, then I think you're going to find less and less places willing to to even host this type of content. Even for those who engage in consensual real life sex, porn can promote unsafe practices. As indicated by sex education site It's Time We Talked, only 10% of scenes show condom use. Thus, it is no surprise that as pornography consumption increases, there is also a correlation with a decrease in the use of condoms. This coupled with the fact that porn usage also correlates to more casual sex partners, this poses a danger to the chances of contracting an STD. Obviously, there are some regulations in certain states that are now coming about to require condom use in pornography. And it really raises the question of, can porn still be sexy if condom usage is a part of it? And is that like a worthy sacrifice? Because seemingly the whole idea behind pornography is that it's supposed to be this fantasy world. And so you don't necessarily need to have safe sex in your fantasy world. I think that is a regulation that should be more widespread in the U.S. Absolutely not. Um, mm-hmm. California tried to pro- pass one of those, I think it's like Proposition 8, where it required all pornography filmed in California, which is a big place where porn is filmed, to have a condom. And then what that allowed was for whenever someone saw a porn video where someone wasn't wearing a condom, they could report it and sue that person which the issue then becomes is when you sue someone you get their legal birth name you get their address you get personal information which is very very unsafe for the people in the film yeah well it also then it gets down to well can you sue the person if it was because some videos they're backlogged and they're not uploaded until months after it's filmed Mm -hmm. editing or whatever and so then if that law went into effect and let's say it went into effect immediately, well, then all those backlogged videos cannot get uploaded. Or what if a video gets re-uploaded after the date, which happens all the time? Then could those people be sued because the video was uploaded after, or is it when it was filmed? That's really true. I didn't think about the suing or legal aspect of it. I mean, I think, but... You know, at the end of the day, you would only get flagged for that if you weren't following the regulation. So, assumedly, like, that's a risk you incur by purposely filming something in California that doesn't meet their regulations. So, it's interesting territory, for sure. Um, but I, it m- might be a bit of a worthy sacrifice, because I think, well, I mean... I think, obviously, I don't think that porn companies on their own are going to be incentivized to show safe sex. So I think whatever the government can do to try and offset that a little bit, or really, they they should probably be doing more direct sex education. But like, if that can be included in (laughs) pornography and somehow, I think that can be kind of a net benefit for certain people. As much as it could be so beneficial for the whole of society, I don't necessarily think it would be worse worth putting so many people at risk. In the words of sexuality educator Marie Crabb, pornography openly promotes a script that not only privileges male sexual pleasure, it suggests that male pleasure is derived through dominance and through sex acts that are at women's expense. 
It conveys that there is something sexy about hurting women or successfully pushing women to comply with sex they don't want or like. At home, I've never had sex as rough as I've had in some of my scenes. You know, we're having hardcore sex in positions that people don't really normally do. You know, when you see they, 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 they don't love it or they are in pain, you know, the director immediately starts to, no, 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 we don't want to see that kind of face reaction. We want to see you enjoy it, enjoy it. So I know, I know that it's many times they don't enjoy it. I'm not saying that people don't do that at home, but the people who do do that at home on a regular basis probably have some issues and they should work that out in therapy rather than on their partner. <laughs> in the report outlined by Crab, 88% of the most popular porn scenes show physical aggression. 94% of these incidents are directed at female performers, and in 95% of cases, the acts were met with either a neutral or a positive response by the target. Essentially, these scenes message to viewers is that women like it when men hit, choke, or gag them, and they enjoy whatever men want to do. So I think the issue of aggression, especially gendered aggression in pornography, is really interesting because... To me, I don't think we'd have as much of a problem with it if it clearly wasn't as biased towards women. I think it's interesting, but I think you have to remember that porn is made for men. Mm -hmm. Men watch porn more than women. So much more. So I think, you know, when we look at it, like, yes, it is terrible that there's all this aggression against women in porn, but that's what men want to see. That's what they're looking for. And, like, the porn industry, they're just going to go ahead. And if that's what people want to see, that's what they're going to want to make. And there's a problem with that. But I don't necessarily think that problem can be solved by telling porn producers to, hey, can you make it a little less aggressive towards women? I think that's a problem that needs to be addressed within men. It's, like, almost a question of which came first, the chicken or the egg. Is it all of this mm. truly aggressive pornography that has pushed men to start seeking that out in real life and therefore seeking it out in pornography or it is creating these sexual preferences or is this something innate? I was talking to my friend the other day. She was saying how her boyfriend, like, he's not as aggressive with her as, like, she wants him to be. And I, like, she was telling me all about it and I was like, well, you watch a lot more porn than does and like based on my research I'm like you're just more influenced to want that kind of thing because of your different viewing habits and he just doesn't consume it that much and therefore he doesn't have that preferences and it makes you consider like how much would people on their own want that kind of aggressive content if it wasn't pushed out to us because I think sure some people may have that preference but I don't think it's as widespread as it is, it's not as naturally widespread as it is now because pornography just encourages it. Most of this evidence is common knowledge. So how has pornography managed to survive and how does it possibly justify its existence? fight against pornography brings in an odd constituency of people, from religious conservatives to feminists to addiction specialists and most likely your parents. That's a lot of people telling you what to do with your body and what is okay for you to enjoy. So for many, quote, 
Pornography represents freedom, an unashamed embrace of anything and everything sexual, and rebuttal of conservative forces that have sought to define what is acceptable to a limited view of human sexuality. From Marie Crabb. Shame is one of the largest factors that can induce the negative side effects of pornography. As published in Scientific American, the findings suggest that suppressing the desire to view pornography, for example, for moral or religious reasons, might actually strengthen the urge for it and exacerbate sexual problems. In other words, the effect of pornography, positive or negative, have little to do with the medium itself and everything to do with the person viewing it. People who are extremely religious, I mean, like, we're talking, like, cult Mormonism, like, very mm-hmm. extreme. Those people where it's, like, masturbation is wrong, don't watch porn, you're going to go to hell, like, you're going to die. I think those people are the ones who find porn the most liberating and, like, the most interesting. Whereas you have people who, like, grow up in families where it's, like, yeah, like, we don't really talk about porn, but, like, it's there. And, like, as you get older, it's, like, okay, sex is the thing. Porn mm-hmm. becomes more of, like, a okay, it's a thing, maybe I'll watch it, like, it's around. Yeah, word. I mean, I agree with that for sure. A lot of the problems with pornography are not necessarily pornography, but the stigma around it. Yeah, because if it's something that you, that becomes more normalized in your life, mm-hmm. it, you, it loses its sense of liberation. Is the difference between someone who watches porn and will probably watch the more aggressive porn and someone who's like ah look normal porn people who who understand porn know how to search for like things that are more that interest them specifically and not necessarily the the bad connotations people where it's more normalized are gonna figure out and learn or be taught how to filter themselves when they look for porn mm-hmm. and what they're watching and as they're scrolling around what they know they probably shouldn't watch because that they may not enjoy it and it's also more might be more aggressive more might be more aggressive whereas people who don't have the experience or really know what it is they'll see something more aggressive and be like oh this must be what porn is i'm okay with that and develop their life around that rather than be critical and understand that hey there's more porn out there than that one type for sure, for sure. I think essentially, like, if if you're always taught that porn and sex is bad, then you never learn what healthy or satisfying porn and sex can be. And so you're only going to find things that confirm that bias that porn is bad and that ne- that doesn't benefit anyone. One of the most commonly cited repercussions... One of the most commonly cited repercussions is porn addiction. According to clinical psychologist Dr. Daniel J. Lee, this seems to be a grand overreaction. There is no scientific evidence that your brain reacts differently to porn than any other form of entertainment. Essentially, you're no more likely to be addicted to Pornhub than you are to YouTube or to Netflix. So while frequent masturbation in porn could affect sexual behavior, that effect is due to masturbation. Dr. Lay also told a surprising and somewhat disturbing story to illustrate how overhyped porn addiction has become, stating, A young man contacted me recently asking for treatment of porn addiction. As we began to assess his needs, he reported that, by the way, he was also using heroin during binges each weekend. But because of the panic about porn, 
This poor young man believed that his poor use and masturbation posed a greater risk to his life and well-being. Even more shocking was the same sentiment being echoed on a podcast from NPR Utah, in which researcher Brian Willoughby was covering the Mormon community's reaction to erotica. After listening to their rhetoric, he stated that, quote, I'd rather be labeled as a heroin user than a porn addict. So I think it was absolutely insane, like, coming across in my research that two different people, there was two completely different sites. Like, there was one article from Psychology Today, the other one was from, like, this random, like, podcast I stumbled upon. But, like, the the fact that heroin in both cases was, like, <laughs> yeah, definitely heroin over porn, like, 100%, a lot less, like, harmful. You're, like, clearly there's something wrong with the way we're talking about sex and porn in this country if that is, like, a theme. The best is that it was NPR Utah because, I mean, yeah. Utah, Mormonism, same thing, basically. Yeah. So if you look, I think it was maybe three years ago, Utah tried to pass a bill that banned porn i i kind of like defer to dr daniel j love's claim that like there's no scientific evidence your brain reacts differently like why would there be you know like we we in the u.s love to stigmatize sex so much and act like it's so different from our everyday lives but it's just really it's not like the big deal that the world wants to advertise it to you as and so like of course like in like Pornhub is not like some secret scary place that's going to affect your mind any more than YouTube or Netflix or Spotify or like SoundCloud's like going to do like these are all forms of media these are all platforms that display people like doing things like it's it's and so your reaction is just yours. It's really interesting, like, to think about that. Because, like, when it comes to porn addiction, it's literally just people addicted to the dopamine or the serotonin rush. I think it all really comes back to this this whole idea of shame, especially in, like, religious communities. And I also think that's kind of what contributes to especially women's distaste with pornography. It's that as women, we are taught to shame like to feel shame about our sexuality and feel guilty about expressing it or engaging thought that those aren't natural things to you so if you're doing that you should like feel shameful or guilty about yeah. your urges and like it's the same exact effect that like you know you you try and stay away from it and then you get into it and then you feel worse about it and it's like this own little pain cycle and you're like you don't need to be doing that this is all in your head Porn is also largely criticized for its alternative forms of sex, including hardcore, fetish, or taboo depictions. Yet some research suggests that consumption may help reduce dangerous impulses by providing a safe private outlet for their desires. In 1992, Richard Green, a psychiatrist at Imperial College London, disclosed that sex offenders requesting treatment in clinics commonly noted that pornography helps them keep their abnormal sexuality within the confines of their imagination. Further, studies from the 1960s and 70s reported that sexual criminals tend to be exposed to pornographic materials at a later age than non-criminals, suggesting that perhaps with another avenue to indulge in their fetishes, it would have reduced the need for real-life victims. So what do you think of this idea of using porn as a way to offset a proclivity for like sex crimes among offenders? You know, if science says that it could work, we should try it and see if it works. But I also think that, yeah, I'm, 
I it makes common it makes sense to me for someone to say that watching porn is an outlet for someone and that they are less likely to commit a sexual offense. It makes sense because they're seeing it and they're getting that release and so they don't need to do it in person. But I also look at it from there's a study done with pedophiles that said that most pedophiles they wouldn't act on their urges until they saw something online which then motivated them to go do something in real life and Mm. I see that and then I'm like well that also makes sense like you see it online and after watching it and watching this thing happen you're gonna like maybe it'll just hype the person up to go do it I feel like it's definitely it's a weird balance I don't know which side makes more sense to me obviously I think research on both sides is like pretty good for this which which makes it hard because I also don't you know it's it's hard to determine when you have this type of treatment on pedophiles allowing them to watch not child pornography but you know like the idea of like like um animations where there is an underage person and that doesn't necessarily harm anyone or can we even say that that's something that we should be indulging you know exactly i mean like as much as it could help you know someone who's committing not pedophilia but some other sort of sexual crime Mm -hmm. could it could help them but okay then you look at pedophilia, what do you do with that? Is it worth, you know, making even an animated piece yeah. to give to someone, to give into that desire in order to possibly have the outcome of them not acting on it? I think it's almost better to not necessarily lean in that direction. Exactly. Like It, it might not be worth the risk. Whether good or bad, another stark reality is that sex work is some of the most profitable for low-income women. Pornography is one of the few industries where women are paid better than men. A few female performers even make up to $350,000 a year, three times what most of the top-earning men make. No one can confidently state that pornography is purely positive. Mainstream porn is discriminatory, exploitative, and rarely scrutinized for abuses, but these inequalities are not unique to the porn workplace. So what exactly do these workplaces look like, and how does pornography really look from the inside out? According to the co-founder for Women Against Pornography, Susan Brown Miller, pornography transformed women into adult toys, dehumanized objects to be used, abused, broken, and discarded. But what do these actresses truly think about their industry? And perhaps more importantly, what does their industry think about them? It will not surprise many that being an adult film actress is not usually someone's first career choice. Porn stars are women in desperate economic need who have run out of other options. It is this distress that is preyed upon. According to the Virginia Commonwealth University, companies will, quote, deliberately recruit from foster homes and shelters to feed a supply chain with a constant need for fresh bodies due to the level of physical punishment and degradation. 
These bad practices largely go unnoticed because the sets are self-regulated. The work is non-unionized and without benefits or enforceable industry standards for wages and intellectual property. Further, unlike mainstream content, actresses also aren't able to give royalties. Scenes are a one-shot deal with a decent day rate, but there are no residuals for the on-camera talent. Female porn stars are very powerless in a lot of ways. So there, it's mm-hmm. really difficult for them to sort of rise up in the ranks and get power over the industry and start voicing what they need. For example, if you ever hear about what happened to Mia Khalifa, a really well-known porn star, she admits that she was abused by the industry and she feels like she was taken advantage of because she was very young. A lot of these girls that are coming into the industry are like barely out of high school, don't have a college education behind them, and are still getting to know themselves and are looking for a source of income. Women tend to be almost crucified if any of anything like that comes out, you know? And I, I mean, yeah, for sure. And I don't think men experience that same level of ostracization. To me, that really happens because at the end of the day, like pornography is the industry and women are the product and it's interesting this one researcher kind of compared prostitution and pornography to say they're essentially the same thing because all you're doing is buying sex in prostitution you're buying like the opportunity to engage in sex and in pornography you're like buying the opportunity to watch sex but they're essentially they give you the same idea of entitlement over women Often, the feats of these women and men are nothing short of athletic, and due to the nature of these acts, they are similarly prone to injury. The Adult Industry Medical Healthcare Association, a voluntary testing organization based in Los Angeles, listed common ailments for adult film actors. These included HIV, rectal and throat gonorrhea, tearing of the throat, vagina, and anus, and chlamydia of the eye. Not your everyday workplace ailments. In fact, many scenes are so intense, even the actors can't take it. While dispelling myths about the shooting process, one male actor wrote, There are a lot more breaks to rest, recuperate, and wait for the lead to get excited again than you would guess. Pretty much any time there's a cut in the editing from one angle to another. I've been over 40 pornos. They're usually half an hour or so long for each scene, but I'm on set for anywhere from 5 to 12 hours. Another actress wrote, Don't be one of those idiots who expects your SO to do everything you see in a porno. If it looks like we're holding that crazy position for five minutes, it's more like 30 seconds clips. I'll ask for a cut, go smoke a cigarette, stretch, flap some lube on, and get back into it. The strenuous activity is not limited to when actresses are on screen. The preparation for scenes can also be extremely time-consuming and even costly. Porn performers do all sorts of things to make their bodies look like they do, like waxing, weightlifting, bleaching, or Botox. Sometimes they've had surgery to make their breast or penis bigger or their vulva smaller. Of course, no one is compensating them for this upkeep, and it's not going on a company card. These are, however, inevitable workplace and expenses. So, if you're a porn star, right, your business is mm-hmm. creating sex appeal and that is your business right and if you're consuming the pornography you are in you have some form of investment in that I think it's really negligent and damaging if a woman 
who is in the eye of the public and who has an who has who makes a significant impression on young girls and if they've had work done on themselves right Mm. and they don't admit to it I think that is extremely upsetting and shouldn't like you should be ashamed of yourself if you do that an aspect that I do very much respect about the porn industry is that I think like porn stars are way like so much more transparent about that kind of stuff than like instagram celebrity or celebrities in general like they will very much be like this is what i've had this is what i'm doing like some of them like if you follow like porn stars on twitter and like instagram or something like they will even like film that like be like look what i'm doing or sometimes i've seen i've seen gofundmes for like porn stars who want to get that type of surgery for themselves and sometimes their fans will fund it which like that's kind of iffy on its own but at least it's is it transparent is out there i don't really view that as that different like that's like i it's i think it's it's like a little sus to be like it's almost like you're requesting a change to a person which i think is a little weird so like let's so if i Mm -hmm. as a business want to increase shareholder value right (laughs) like it would make (laughs) sense to throw that option out there for people to put in their own investment because there is return for them i don't think that's that's wrong in an ideal world, like obviously people have their personal preferences, but there is someone who is sexually attracted to everyone. You know what I mean? Like there is there is always one person who is what like you are one hundred percent their type as natural as you are. And if we I think by like having that as a thing that your fans can participate in, it continues to mean like your natural body cannot be as sexually appealing as like these these fake proportions and that's that fake proportion is something that people want and that you should strive to change yourself and to change your body if you want to be more attractive and i don't think that's i don't think that's great and if you are changing some part about your body you're inherently saying that you find something about you to be wrong which is like obviously true for everyone but that's like a really big advertisement of that fact as much as i say that your worth isn't determined by your appearance it sure as sure as hell feels like your worth is determined by your appearance and if 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 getting mm-hmm. a little bit of plastic surgery means that you feel more confident then i think it is worth that investment but again, I do think that you should not resort to plastic surgery. I think there's if you if you feel that insecure about a body part, then you should probably go to a therapist before you try to make any physical changes. To reduce the industry only to the people on screen, however, tell the false story of what this industry actually looks like. To achieve progress, leaders must address the concerns voiced by feminist activists while simultaneously discrediting the notion that pornography is inherently bad. In an interview for Allure magazine, female porn director Erica Lust references the concept of critical mass. It's the idea that a minority demonstrates influences only once it captures some 30% of a group. While she laments that behind the camera, females are far from that number, In the United States, viewers have already surpassed it, and their influence is being heard. To say that only broken women participate in the industry helps perpetuate harmful stereotypes, 
that women who are outwardly sexual are usually tainted in some way. In porn, this is known as the damaged good hypothesis, which references the perception that actresses are victims of childhood sexual abuse, are psychologically unhealthy, or use drugs. According to observations published in the Journal of Sex Research, not only did these women suffer no more sexual abuse than typical women, but were in fact psychologically healthier. Further studies cited in the report found that actresses had higher levels of self-esteem, positive feelings, social support, spirituality, and were more likely to be concerned about contracting a sexually transmitted disease compared to the matched group. While the study did confirm that actresses were more likely to use drugs, they also found that they were more likely to identify as bisexual, first had sex at an earlier age, had more sexual partners, and enjoyed sex more. All of this seems to draw the unsurprising conclusion that many porn actresses may begin this career simply because they are more sexual people, and not necessarily because they were preyed upon. Most major porn stars, most, not all, and major, not everyone, mm-hmm. are in pornography because they want to be. They said, hmm, I am a sexual person. I want to, I like viewing pornography. Why wouldn't I just become a porn star? And they do it. And I think, why are we going to stop those people who want to do it? How are we going to stop them? Why, why would we stop them from doing that? I mean, I get what you're saying to a certain extent, but I don't know if you can really, really apply that. Because, like, okay, sure, like, like you want to be a porn star, it makes you money or whatever. I think it's, like, the same idea as, like, strippers. Like, yeah, some people who are stripping, like, enjoy stripping. Like, it's not the worst for them, but I don't think it's anyone's plan A. I don't think that's anyone's life goal. It's not sustainable. It's not something that you can do forever. Um, and there's obviously a lot of ne- negative aspects to it. You you do have to consider, like, you know, it, it's a general problem of economics in America that you are forced to do all of these things just to make a living. And sure, you can find one that's okay, but, you know, it, it I don't know how truly fulfilling that can be. Like, you know, like some people like to be strippers, but if they had an option to not be a stripper, I don't think they'd still be a stripper. And so I think people who do porn can like doing porn and like definitely want to engage in it. But for the actual actors and actresses in porn, I don't think that's their like if they were given other options, I don't think that's what they'd choose. Kind of disagree with that. I think mm-hmm. I think, yes, there are strippers and there are porn stars and whatever. Like, they went in, they made their money, they leave, they do what they got to do, they get the job done, they go off to do whatever. But I think there is a population of people who they started off for like, hey, I need to pay my way through college. I'm going to do this thing. And then they stay. You see that a lot with the rise in cam girls, OnlyFans Mm -hmm. accounts, all those things. There is, of course, an economic motivation, but I think there are people who are just like, yeah, why wouldn't I just do this act or whatever, post it online, and then make a thousand, make a couple hundred thousand dollars off of it? Further regulation has become significantly better over the years. According to a statute called 18 U.S.C. 225, every porn scene distributed in the U.S. has a record for every performer they shoot including two forms of government ID, a comprehensive model release, and documents showing the performer's previous names, stage names, aliases, SSN, birth date, and other info. 
Every company is also required to have a custodian of records. This is a person who is responsible for record keeping, including the ages of the people in the porn. If someone gets filmed having sex and they're under the age of 18, that person is legally responsible. Even STD testing has become a regular part of filming. The rigorous protocol called the PASS system tests every two weeks for a whole panel of STD tests on the market. Papers proving they've been tested are required for filming companies, and porn stars since have had a lower incidence of HIV than the general population. Christy Hefner was promoted to chairman of the board and CEO of Playboy Enterprises back in 1988. Meanwhile, in 2012, Lux Alphatron purchased Fleshbot from Gawker Media and became its CEO. While the numbers aren't equal, there are a number of women sitting in top positions. Even the nominees for Best Director at this year's Adult Video News Awards, which numbered 15, included eight women. Compared to the Oscars' complete lack of female talent in the category, pornography has become more accepting for its female creatives. I think without religious shame surrounding sex and societal shame around it and porn and everything that comes with it, we would have a more positive view of porn. People would be thinking of it not as something shameful and something to do in secret, but I bet you would have people talking about porn stars in the open like they do movie stars because Mm -hmm. I would bet porn stars have a further reach than most movie stars. I can totally see that because even like on TikTok right now, there's this trend of like people naming celebrities and they're like, oh, Brad and the person has to like put in the last name. So you'd like Brad Pitt or they say like um, Selena and then they say they would say like Gomez Um, and then people get to Mia and they want to test their boyfriends to see if they say Khalifa, which is the name of a famous porn star. But it's like. I, what I like about our generation that we're more open about that kind of stuff and like sure the girlfriends are like oh like uh like they hit their boyfriends or whatever and like you're you're so funny but it's not as guilty as shameful and it's okay to know about it and it's okay to talk about it and I think if we did more of that like obviously like that TikTok is like kind of stupid or whatever <laughs> but like just the fact that that is something like you're not gonna be ridiculed for knowing a porn star like not even admitting to watching her but just knowing who she is like I think that is progress and I think that is ultimately beneficial for people there was this trend that um drummers would do as I follow a lot of drummers and whatever where they would like be playing a song and then they would play like the Pornhub intro randomly in the okay and so it was like you'd like send it to your friends and it was supposed to be like a try try and see if they if they get it and then mm-hmm. it was like omg i saw that that's so funny like it was created that more open conversation like oh we all know what the porn intro sounds like that that's so funny while the brand of feminist pornography is not new it is becoming increasingly profitable and mainstream Femme Productions in 1984 by Candice Vidala began the movement of feature-length productions, plot, lush settings, and dialogue, as well as the new home video market catering to couples. Vidala called her alternative vision for porn positive sexual role modeling, more about the quality of the sex rather than how outrageous and violating it can be. Since then, she has been the model for progressive content, and Toronto's Good For Her Adult Store established the annual Feminist Porn Awards. Nominated films feature trans, plus-size, older, disabled, and non-white performers, actor-friendly sets, and erotic narratives to challenge stereotypes. 
These new plot lines have included intricate and nuanced takes on sexuality. Another storyline followed a plot in which a virus has been turning women into lesbian zombies. A choice the director notes is a social commentary on the many years in which homosexuality was classified as a mental illness, and the fact that it's still regarded as such in many aspects of society. Erica Lust X Confession series, based on sexual fantasy submitted by fans, has over 10,000 subscribers. In an effort to break barriers for others as well, she has invested $300,000 in 24 different films written and directed exclusively by women to be distributed under her own production company. If that wasn't enough, she also recently launched The Porn Conversation, an online platform of resources to help parents talk to their kids about porn. When asked by Allure.com, she stated, quote, So many people making porn don't want to take the responsibility. I am a person who feels responsible. Bottom line, porn is sex ed, whether we like it or not. They are celebrated not because they are women, but because of how they push the industry forward. To me, education has always been the great equalizer. In a Dutch longitudinal study, the more a young person had learned about the use of pornography from their school sex education, the less likely they were to see women as objects. After studying both sides, the one thing that I can say for sure is that Erica Lust is right. For better or for worse, whether good or bad, pro or anti-feminist, porn has become our national sex educator. Our fears on talking about sex have led teens to turn to the internet with an inadequate guide of how it's supposed to work in real life. To quote Dr. Daniel J. Levy, learning about sex by watching porn is like learning to shoot a gun from watching Bruce Willis movies. Both are fantasy-based entertainment, and by following either one, somebody's bound to get hurt. There are plenty of resources out there already, such as In the Picture, a comprehensive sex education project that teaches and educates and promotes discussion. Their website, which has resources for teens, schools, and parents on sex education, has lots of great resources and covers many of the topics discussed here. The website for the project, It's Time We Talked, is free and easily accessible. Perhaps the worst thing about pornography, and the worst thing for women, is ignorance. When we're not taught about our bodies, how to express what we want or address our needs, bad things are bound to happen. Women should be talked to about sex and porn in a straightforward, open-minded way that doesn't seek to demonize desire or even over-romanticize the reality. So is pornography pro or anti-feminist? Well, people should be allowed to decide that for themselves, and they should have the education to do it.